Welcome back to another episode of the Potluck Club, a show from SGCR exploring stories of local creators, entrepreneurs, and the ideas they're cooking. So this week we have Vincent, founder of Anticipate Pictures, an independent film distribution company based in Singapore with a focus on art house, indie, and documentary films. Their selection is steeped in the mantra of bringing in, bringing in films that are not only enjoyable but thought provoking. So if you're a fan of A24 films like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, provocative stories like Capernaum, my personal favourite, and Girl, or Asian New Wave films like Have a Nice Day or House of Hummingbird, you've probably seen a film that Anticipate Pictures has brought into Singapore. So welcome, Vincent. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. Do you recognise the opening track? Uh, no, I don't. Ah. Where is that from? <laughs> it's actually from a film, fil- French film from the 1960s. So, uh, A Woman and a Man. Okay. Yeah, it's, cool. it's a great show. Ah, All right. Sorry. Little <laughs> snippet, little quiz. You got me. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Could you introduce yourself? Um, tell us who you are. What were you like as a kid? <laughs> wow. Uh, well, I'm, my name is Vincent. Um, I'm Chinese Singaporean. <laughs> uh, I'm from here. I grew up here. Uh, well, I was like as a kid, I was uh, a little bit, bit of a rebel. I didn't quite like um, doing things uh, the usual way. Mm. So always like to find out um, uh, if there was a different way of doing something, and and then you know deciding whether or not to go and do it. Uh, I think I think uh, it's it's in the genes. I think uh, my dad used to be a little bit of a rebel himself. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I, I, at about uh, the age of fourteen, I um. My my dad came back home with a cachet, uh, a, a bunch of like I think ten to fifteen uh, DVDs. Oh wow! Um, and and he 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 claimed that uh, his 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 friend needed to get rid of them. Uh, and as <laughs> I looked through this stack of DVDs, there were uh, films like uh, Spartacus, the oh. Stanley Kubrick Spartacus, um, Requiem for a Dream, oh. uh, in, in in the original um, US edition DVD. Um, and also a, a, a film that um, I didn't quite know what to make of it at first, but then would grow to be quite uh, effect, uh, effective. Was, uh, there was a DVD in there called Vanilla Sky. I love that film. Yeah, you, you did? Yeah, um, by Cameron Crowe, and it stars uh, Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz. Um, yeah, but uh, what, what I didn't know was that it was actually a remake of a, of a, of a Spanish film. Mm. Uh, but it was Vanilla Sky that I, I put in my uh, DVD player first, and, and I watched it, and... Um, just sort of blew my mind as to uh, all the feelings I felt at the end of that. Mm. Um, yeah, so you know, it, it, it takes a, a film like like that maybe to sort of show you a little bit. I mean, I've always loved films growing up. Uh, I, I've I've loved you know uh, films like Liar Liar, uh, the Dumb and Dumber series, mm. uh, Alien, the, the first Alien that was that was a real treat when I was growing up. Uh, but but Vanilla Sky was the one that showed me what films can uh, can really do, can really impact you and make you think about. Uh, living and life and so on and love um, so yeah that from that film I then of course the next film I, I, I watched was Requiem for a Dream mm. and that you know can really uh, can, can we swear on this podcast yeah go ahead oh, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> 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 that, that Requiem for a Dream really fucked with your head especially yeah, yeah. if you were a 14 year old uh, a, a boy going to secondary school you, you know you all you've been watching are uh, Jack Neal films um, <laughs> at the point um, so yeah Wrecking for a Dream uh, really uh, showed me uh, drug culture um, and of course the, 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 the I mean that film is also known for its editing mm. and it also showed me the power of editing um, so I got really interested in this medium and I really started to explore it uh, at the same time I was also into uh, you know as all good 
uh, teenage boys are into like metal. Uh, so that also helped to supplant a little bit of that alternative, uh, you know, exploration. Um, so yeah, and then uh, after JC, I decided I wanted to go make films, thinking that I had a lot to say and and, and a lot of life experiences. Um, and and then I got into uh, uh, NTU and, and a bunch of uh, another another film school in the US. Um, and then I decided to go to the US to study, and, and then I realized I didn't want to make films anymore. Mm. Yeah, that's so, why I got to distribution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what I realized is that uh, I don't necessarily have the uh, well, I wasn't, I, I don't really have the life experience or the wherewithal to uh, to make films. I wasn't. Um, I mean, I, I was as uh, I was learning how to make films on set, and it was a very good school I was at. Um, and so I was filled with all these pe- people who were very passionate about making films. I realized I didn't quite share that passion mm. with them, with them as much. Um, if, instead, I was uh, going to uh, the cinemas uh, in in, in uh, Los Angeles, uh, where I was based then, um, to watch all kinds of films, classic films, indie films. Um, Los Angeles being the epicenter of uh, cult- culture you know, in the world. Um, of course, some would argue New York City, uh, but you know, for for the movie industry, it's Los Angeles. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's that's how I spend most of my weekends, uh, just watching films. I would sit, um, I would start my day at 10 a.m., which is the earliest screening at the ArcLight Hollywood, and then um, have uh, I'll have popcorn for lunch, and then uh, <laughs> and then I'll sneak out to watch uh, to, to to have burritos for dinner, and then come back, uh, and I'll end my day at 11 p.m. Watch watching about five uh, films. Wow, every uh, day for on the weekends when when I wasn't like actively uh, having to finish my, uh, my 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 homework or whatever. Um, so yeah, so that that sort of gave the basis. And uh, while in 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 uh, the film school, I uh, wanted to find out like how the how do films go from being made to being on the screen? Mm. And that's where uh, I decided to sort of like. Uh, Figure out like okay how 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 does that happen oh that there's a whole system there's a whole uh, uh, industry that's built around that process so I want to be part of that mm. yeah. yeah actually that's a process I've been very curious about because I think it's very easy to get information on how a film is being made because mm-hmm. articles are always written about the director's intent you know how a show is being filmed etc but no one really talks about what distribution is so we'll get to that in a little bit but sure. <laughs> you know when you were 14 and a teenager in Singapore you know consuming all these like obscure films slightly more obscure films and and underground music did you find it like difficult to relate to people of your own age then <laughs> uh yeah I I remember um uh so the uh, Cathay had a had a picture house. Um, they, they had a very short lived art house cinema called the Picture House, mm. um, and and they were showing a, a Russian film called The Return, um, which was brought in by Lighthouse Pictures, uh, one of my current uh, uh, rivals um, in, in this in this industry, very small industry. Uh, but Thomas from Lighthouse Pictures, uh, they brought in he brought in this film, and and I saw it, and it's one of those very art house Euro European aesthetic films. Uh, I loved it to, to bits after I saw it, and I decided to bring two of my, fr- three of my friends to mm. to see the film, uh, and I'll pay for them. and 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 I told them, "Hey, if you don't like the film, you can uh, you can don't pay me back the money because wow. I'm just going to treat you this film. It's it's really you know mind 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 boggling. You have to see it. Mm. Uh, and none of them paid me back. Uh, because, oh, nice. As in, as in uh, yeah, well. They didn't pay me back because they didn't like it. Oh, all right. <laughs> the, the idea is that they would pay me back if they didn't like the film, but if they liked all it, right. then they can just, uh, they, 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 yeah. Yeah, so so uh, I, I just realized then how far apart uh, my, my aesthetic for movies, uh, even then, uh, was compared to the rest of my peers. Mm. Why do you think that's so, though? Is it because of the... Because I guess from 
Jack Neo to Vanilla Sky is also quite a steep learning curve, I feel, mm. for a 14-year-old. Like, how, how do you think you would have reached that for your friends? Uh, or do you I, think it's just a personal taste kind of thing? I believe um, it, was, it was the age of uh, piracy. It was mm. the age of uh, um, you know, freedom of... Uh, well, <laughs> hmm. It was when torrenting was actually coming of age. Mm. During uh, this is during the two thousand and four to the late to early two thousand and tens, and and you know, music was being shared uh, through P two P software. Um, torrents, of course, came in a bit later, um, and movies sort of came in a bit late after that because they had a lot more information to cram into into uh, data. Um, so 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 that that's followed, and so um, uh, as soon as I was uh, starting to get hooked on films like Vanilla Sky and Reckon for a Dream, um, I was uh, you know, googling uh, mm. and, and what, what other films to watch if you want to find out find film, more films like these, um, and then I'll try and find them uh, illegally, um, and uh, and then then it was still common practice to. Uh, buy uh, pirated DVDs. Mm. Um, I mean, now we we don't. We discuss crazy who buys DVDs nowadays. Where's the DVD player? Where's That's the, the, where the DVD player? Exactly. <laughs> um, probably at the cash converter or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so uh, I, I got really chummy with the um, there was a there was a piracy syndicate in uh, Johor Bahru that uh, if we bought over a certain amount of uh, films, they would you know, illegally smuggle that into Singapore. Oh. Um, and so uh, uh, I, I bought I bought so much from them that they uh, wouldn't even bother uh, letting me see what's on the front of their stores. They'll bring me to the back. Wow! Yeah, where VIP. you can see, yeah, where, where where really you could really find the most obscure like LGBTQ films, mm. stuff from Germany, from France. Uh, you you wouldn't even dream of like well, I was it was, and then there was also a trip to China where you know they that that also opened my eyes to piracy on a, like a different level. These mm-hmm. guys, um, but the point I'm trying to make is uh, um, you know it, we it wasn't the the education that piracy was 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 bad or, or would affect the creators, uh, negatively wasn't quite there yet. It was just uh, you're trying to consume as much as, much as, as possible, yeah. Uh, and and the, the the more foul it was, like watching Salo. At, oh my like, god! I was set- gonna bring up Salo. I'm yeah. pretty sure you watched that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so uh, uh, I I really got into a video nasty phase. I think mm. in in, the, in during JC time. Uh, and 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 you you know I was watching Irreversible, uh, Salo. Um, yeah. So so that that and the Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, oh so, my god! Uh, so <laughs> films like that, you know, you, you it really uh, uh, also showed you what cinema can do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that that was that was how I sort of uh, right. uh, built up the appetite for that kind of uh, cinema. It's so funny that even the DVD sellers had a filter for what was obscure enough and to be in the storefront. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. so cute. Yeah, okay. So back to what you do at Anticipates, right? Yeah. So what exactly does a distribution, film distribution company do? Like what what do you go through to bring films into Singapore? Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, distribution company, in, as in any industry, uh, basically you source for your products mm. in uh, expositions or markets, um, wherever they may be. Uh, and then you reach an agreement to bring that product into Singapore and uh, into wherever market you are you are servicing, uh, and then you bring it in, and then you start the process. So, and then you find shelf space um, for for your product. Um, so, specifically to the movie industry, 
the expositions I talk about are film festivals. Mm. And, uh, notably, the more uh, prestigious ones usually have uh, a market component to it. So um, Berlinale has uh, the EFM, uh, Cannes Film Festival has the Marche du Film, and Toronto uh, has like an informal but very important market as well. Uh, so I would go to uh, these markets. I would watch a ton of films. I was effectively sourcing for product. Mm. Um, and then I would find the representatives of uh, the, the products on the on sale. Uh, we call them sales agents uh, who basically aggregate uh, films from the producers they work for. And then every market, they would put out a slate and then we would watch and, 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 and decide which ones were suitable for our markets uh, we want to bring in. And we reach agreement. We reach an agreement to... Um, uh, to bring the rights to to procure the rights for our markets uh, for these films, and then and then we start the importation process, which basically means uh, buying the materials. So usually uh, a, a ProRes or a DCP, uh, and then you, of course you submit that f- that film to IMDA, who uh, will classify it. Uh, and then and then the, the later part of my job also entails looking for shelf space. In this case, um, cinemas mm. primarily. Um, and maybe film festivals or non-profits that can platform the film uh, to give it a premiere um, and of course uh, uh, VOD platforms uh, that, we'll, that we'll see how to exploit after theatrical. Right. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of work for a one-man distribution company, uh, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> how do you manage? Like, It's been five years and it's only been yourself. Mostly, yeah, just me. Uh, I'm, I'm help, uh, thankfully supported some, uh, some over the couple, few, last few years by... Uh, very enthusiastic uh, marketing managers and interns uh, and now I have a, a graphic designer who um, I keep on retainer mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so so uh, but yeah it's mostly me um, yeah it's it's crazy that uh, you know a hundred years ago um, I was reading a book about the history of distribu- film distribution um, and there used to be like armies uh, arm- armies of people that would service every part of this because back then films were in, in reels in mm. film reels um, a typical film would be four to six reels if it was 120 minutes long and those things are heavy. Mm. Um, you know, and now uh, a, a f- film can be uh, delivered digitally. So there will be a secure FTP server from somewhere and then you would just download it from wherever it was, you know, from another country. You can just download it in, in Singapore. And then, uh, yeah, so so it's, it's, it's gotten a lot easier. Um, yeah, but yeah, the, the, the process is still the same. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's 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 really the internet of things. It's it's incredible. Mm. And because you, I guess you are sort of the anchor of all the films that you bring in. You go through the viewing process. You decide what films to bring in, right? How would you describe your personal space, uh, personal taste? That's one. And then, do you think that has sort of influenced the selections that you bring in? Yeah, uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, I was always into European art house, mm. so that's sort of the first kind of. Uh, genre uh, I gravitated towards when I was thinking about what to focus my energies on. Um, so uh, and, I've, and it helped that not many people were looking at it uh, for good reason. Uh, European art house is still the most, uh, h- still the hardest product to sell in terms of uh, films in, in in the Singapore landscape. Um, so I just happened to really love European art house, so I, I went into that. Into that. Um, and of course, uh, not forgetting my love for uh, English language independent films. Of course, the word independent is very, uh, I mean, uh, do you consider Wes Anderson film independent? Uh, mm-hmm. Not, re- I mean, not really, technically, because mm. it's supported <laughs> by Fox, but okay, but sure, you know, it's that kind of uh, a film that, that uh, would exist outside of your uh, mainstream uh, uh, taste. So, so there were a lot, a lot of very good uh, English language independent films coming out from places like Sundance, and nobody was really picking them up. 
Um, and so I made it a point to also want to incorporate films like that in my lineup as well. And uh, also, this is actually quite uh, unique for uh, uh, my company. I think we are one, if, if not the only f- uh, company in Singapore that does feature documentaries. Um, mm. Yeah, so so uh, at around the turn of the, the, the last decade, in uh, uh, 2010, 2011, um, a, a remarkable number of very uh, amazing documentaries were being made uh, that were feature length. And uh, uh, back then, nobody really thought of documentaries as anything beyond the Discovery Channel, yeah. kind of, uh, you know, like much of the Penguin stuff, type yeah. stuff. Um, but, you know, there was like uh, the act of killing, you know, like there was uh, uh, Look of Silence, uh, you know, film uh, feature documentaries really pushing a genre that nobody was really looking at. And so um, I decided I want to incorporate those as well. So, um, but yeah, the documentaries have been the hardest things to sell. Um, I mean, more so than um, uh, art, house. art house, European art house, actually. Really? Yeah, because most people, uh, there, there is sort of a, a, a core audience here, mm-hmm. cinephiles here that would go to the film festivals or uh, an embassy backed uh, national uh, films, film festival. Uh, but you know, feature documentaries don't don't nobody quite knows where to place them. Um, so yeah, it's only well we have to thank Netflix for this for uh, really breaking down the boundaries for <laughs> watching did. a feature documentary. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, there there is really a surge in in documentaries, like feature documentaries in the past year. I feel mm-hmm. like even in film festivals and Netflix definitely. But I have always been very thankful when that happened. I was like, oh my god, there's so many like great documentaries we can actually watch now. So yeah. thank you, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Why, why do you think European art house is difficult to sell in Singapore? Hmm. Is it because of the relevance of stories, um, the way it's being shot? Because I think European art house has a very distinctive look to it and yeah. a distinctive like narrative arc and mm. everything to it, which I personally really like. But yeah, I wanted to hear like, why do you think it's difficult to sell? Like, why is it for a fact difficult to sell? Yeah, I, I, I think most people... Uh I think they think of European art house and it's like, oh, suddenly it's an aesthetic that is mm. different from what they're used to in Hollywood, which is like the tree X structure. Yeah. You know, there is a, you know, the setting up of a character, their space, and then something happens with them and then they go on a journey and yeah. then there's a climax where they have to uh, renounce something from their past or be forced to change and then they do and then it's like the denouement and then it's it's all resolved at the end and it's mostly happily ever after, which is uh. kind of the classic tree <laughs> X structure, which also exists yeah. in European art house films, uh, but it's the ecstatic of like you know the long takes, the static shots, um, the foreign language. I mean, uh, the subtitling. You know, mm. I mean, subtitles are not a big problem in Singapore, um, but they, they they are in many parts of uh, Europe. <laughs> Even uh, Italians won't watch a film in German if they can help it. They would rather have it be dubbed. Um, oh. so even in Europe <laughs> there is a there is a, 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 a inertia to uh, inertia to watching uh, films not in their language even though they're the only country that, that speaks Italian for example it's a nationalistic kind of mindset it, it, it might be it also could be a remnant of uh, of, 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 of a film industry that um, has sort of always just accepted dubbing artists as part of its like process of distributing a, a mm. film from another language um, but yeah, so so uh, thankfully we don't have that issue in Singapore. People do uh, do watch uh, films with subtitles. Um, but yeah, it's it's really the the aesthetic and the fact that there may not be a good a nice feeling payoff at the end. Mm. Um, yeah, but I, I would say that stories uh, from 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 Europe or anywhere else in the world, Africa, uh, South America, 
Um, they're, they're pretty much uh, 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 you can find uh, elements of them in Hollywood films as well. It's just maybe the aesthetic might put some people off. Right. Um, right. And and I think people just uh, are a bit scared to feel like they don't get something. Mm. Um, and and then they feel stupid. Um, but that's also kind of the part of the point. Sometimes yeah. you just uh, you, you can't always walk around feeling like you know everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like for example, uh, 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 this show, you know, the Potluck Club. Um, you know, you invite uh, people from from various local <laughs> companies. You know, yeah. and and it's beyond you know uh, just music. You know, it's carpentry, mm. it's it's print. Uh, you know, and, and now it's film. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully your listeners uh, would would enjoy listening to the experiences that 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 we collectively bring. Oh. Um, yeah, as as because uh, we need to be exposed to to things that are outside of our own little bubbles. Um, so yeah, that's why I feel uh, our house cinema has that power to stage an intervention in your life mm. if you allow it to. Yeah, I actually find personally for me the experience of film watching it doesn't stop after you step out of the cinema. I actually especially enjoy the part when you research on a film after you watch it. Yeah, like especially if it's films you don't understand. Yeah, and you go, oh, okay, this is what the director meant to do. This were all the like Easter eggs that were in it. This yeah. was you know what they intended you to get out of it. Which I find that learning process a lot more interesting. Yeah, because yeah, it yeah. gives a lot to dis- discover. Yeah, so yeah, that's for me like, I feel that's a whole experience, you especially are, for you. Yeah, minority I think because <laughs> uh, many people prefer their films to be you know pet and, yeah. and, and very understandable and nobody has a it's an escape from most. Uh, mm. for, for, for a lot of people uh, the medium of of, of, of film mm. maybe not for you and me I mean definitely there are days where I go okay I just want a very straightforward film yeah, but, of course yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I read somewhere when you first started Anticipate yeah. um, a lot of mainstream cinemas didn't buy into your film yeah like they still how, don't they still don't really <laughs> yeah. I see a lot more in, in like Cathy like a little bit more like, okay okay maybe I'm optimistic but have you ever thought of moving on to doing something else during that time uh, when they say no, when it got so hard, you know, to to push right. through. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think even back then the projector was also saying no, which is kind of mm. kind of funny to me that they would uh avoid playing my movies. Um, but you know, thankfully those walls have come down. And what were projector playing then, like blockbusters? No, no, no. They were always doing independent films, right. but they they were also acquiring their own films. I see. And so maybe they they didn't quite uh, want to play another. Uh, competitors' uh, mm. products on their screen, but whatever it was, uh, there was a bit of a uh, inertia from them as well to play uh, films that we brought in. So the first couple of years, uh, I anticipate um, it was pretty tough because we we bought all these films. We had Tony Erdman, we had The Square, mm. you know, uh, we had uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, and those didn't play at the projector. I'm like, you've got Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman yeah. in a Yorgos Lanthimos film, a Greek weird wave director. Yeah. You're not playing that. It, why at the projector? Why not? I, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, it, the walls came down, I think, with um, when we started, when we had the film MIA, mm. Tangi, Maya MIA. Um, there was a, a feature music documentary about the pop star and that played played fairly well. It didn't play like gangbusters, but it played fairly well and then that sort of opened the, the floor up. Um, but f- but prior to that, I was always four-walling. It's a practice where I rent a small cinema. So um, before Projector, it was at the, the, the small cinema at the Arts House. Mm. And um, we would rent it and we would also buy the film to show there. Uh, and that was uh, burning the candle at both ends. It was really expensive to do both at the same time. Um, so I think if if I had to maybe uh, four wall for another month or two, uh, I would have gone out of business. I would be doing something else. Uh, yeah. uh, but thankfully, the projector came true. Uh, and, and they've really been the only one consistent place, uh, mm. which is kind of... Um, 
saying something about uh, how limited kind of spaces are for for physical spaces are not just for film of course we can talk about music and so on uh, but for for movies uh, particularly this kind of movies um, the projector is really the only reliable place uh, where you can go which means they are guaranteed an audience base mm. but we will never know um, if 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 you know, if there was another cinema that played this kind of films, uh, would that audience grow? And would, uh, I mean, I still run into people now, uh, my age and younger, who don't even know what the projector is. Oh, that's crazy, right? Oh. Like it is, and it's it's really uh, mind blowing to know that my life and, and my company and, and I, I know all these people and and I'm in these in these circles. And then there are people outside of my mm. bubble <laughs> that don't know yeah. what the projector is. I mean, fair enough if you don't know anticipate pictures of what we do, but if you don't even know a place, a physical location that um, that I think it's quite uh, hip and, uh, and 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 people will be plugged into, but you know, you, they're not. So mm. so this is also also saying something about for their space, like they also have to work. Uh, they come dressed in the laurels, uh, but they also have to work to promote themselves as uh, more more to to a wider audience. Um, but yeah, so. So if if uh, and and then uh, with some of our higher profile titles uh, recently, like in Capernaum, we tried with uh, GV mm. uh, Golden Village, which is the biggest um, uh, theater circuit in Singapore. Um, but then we stopped after that film because uh, the terms that they they they, they asked us uh, for were, were just uh, I was losing more money than I was making uh, when I was playing at GV. Wow. Um, and then you know so we stopped that. Uh, we tried something at uh, Film Guard. Um, and film guard, uh, you know, bless them. They 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 try, but they also have their specific tastes. Mm. More 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 than they they, they only want to do mostly uh, sino cinema, so Chinese cinema, or at, at best Korean or Japanese cinema, so Asian cinema. So um, so if I if I try a, a, a European film, they might be a, a, a lot less uh, into it. They try with portrait of a lady in fire, um, but. Uh, uh, you know, when when ticket sales started going going down uh, mm. in the first month, after the first month, uh, for, after the first uh, two weeks, uh, they, they 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 stopped that film. Um, you know, so it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 hard to convince uh, cinemas outside of the projector to play. Uh, now we have uh, you know the AFA, which is Oldham Hall. They have an Oldham Hall. They don't own the the hall, but they rent it, and they were focused on on Asian cinema. So yep. now we. We, when we have an Asian film, we ask them if they want to play it as well. But yeah, so thankfully there's alternative spaces like that coming up. It's still not enough though. That's great. Yeah, but I totally get your point about being a bubble. Because <laughs> I think within our bubbles or within um, people we know, you you hear about projectors so much that you yeah. go, hey, that's just the place that yes. everybody knows about. So that's a little bit shocking. But yeah. yeah, I think it's for thought, I suppose. And how do you break out the bubble to to keep growing that, yeah. that yeah, market? Yeah. Yeah. So, would you say this initial inertia was the the hardest thing for you yeah. in this five years? It yeah, was. it was. I think the first couple of years was uh, really tough. Also, because my investor was kind of like, "What's going on? You're mm-hmm. just bleeding your money, and uh, you're not making back as much as, of course." And then, uh, back then, also, I was uh, naive and I was overpaying for a lot of films. Um, I think if you if you are brand new and on the market and you have a blank checkbook and you have a uh, you know money to spend can kind of let it get to your head a little bit. So mm. I was, um, you know, I love Patterson, but I, I would never pay that much money for that film again, mm. for example, you know. So so uh, it's, it's, it's also about a bit of a growing process in the first couple of years. So that was why it's particularly tough. But now I think after um, four years, uh, it's, it's been getting a bit better. 
Mm, okay. So, and, and when it comes to your selection process, right? Mm-hmm. Decide what to bring. I'm sure you've been asked this a lot. Like, how do you decide <laughs> what films to bring in? Or how do you qualify something as a good enough film? Or like a film that we need to watch? Okay. Uh, yeah, I... I there, there are many factors. Um, I think the first must be the uh, oh my god, drop everything because mm. you know my mind has just been blown. So, uh, to give an idea of my day to day at uh, a film market, so I, I travel to um, three film festivals a year. I go to Berlin, I go to uh, in February, I go to Cannes in May, and I go to Toronto in September. This is in pre COVID, of course. Mm. Um, and I spend about ten to fourteen days at each market, and every single day of those ten days, I watch something like. F- like five or six movies a day in the cinema. Wow. Yeah. And um, so it can get pretty tiring. Mm. <laughs> uh, by by the, for example, the, the seventh day and I've watched, you know, maybe my 35th film of the, of, of the, of the, of the market. Um, so when, when, when the, oh shit, drop everything film comes by, um, is when even if I'm watching my 36th film, for the for the for the market, like I can still be energized by mm. this director's vision, this director's voice, um, the story, or something about it. It's just making me like, oh my god, this is going to be the next big thing. Um, that's when I know that uh, this film probably has a chance to should be acquired, um, because uh, film festivals of Singapore do a pretty good job in picking up what's the best in both cinema, so they don't really need my help for that. Mm. So if you if you know, it's uh, it's not even good enough to be a decent film anymore you have to be like outstanding mm. so i definitely felt that way for capanom for example when i when i watch capanom like, i mean you you were very moved by the film uh, me too uh and i'm glad you you felt that way so so when you walk out of a, of a can you imagine like, like before the world premiere you watch capanom and then you you have these emotions mm. and you see the people beside you buyers like yourself jaded um decades they've worked in the, in the industry <laughs> for decades and they're crying as oh. well and so you know that this powerful this, yeah this, this cinema that you, that you just watched is so powerful um and then you of course when the world premiere breaks and then the reviews are, are no longer embargoed um you 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 realize that everybody's having the same reaction and then that word of mouth will pro- probably propel sales mm. uh, beyond the film festival um so that's when uh, we, we that's why I I think we should try to bring a film in, represent it uh, in in Singapore to to not just put it through the film festivals, but also to bring it beyond that uh, to take care of its journey in 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 the market that we have. Mm. Um, yeah. So so and and so yeah. So buzz. So film festival buzz, which also means uh, reviews, um, really help make or break a film's uh, career. Um, yeah. And and sometimes talent. Uh, so the power of a director's uh, name. Uh, so an Almodovar film, you know, it's, that's going to create some eyeballs. A Gaspar Noe film that's going to have some eyeballs. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and of course, if there's a big name talent in your film, um, um, you know, like a Tilda Swinton or something, yeah, okay, maybe I uh, like Luca Guadagnino. Okay, so that's something that maybe you wanna. Uh, I should keep my eye on more, more mm. often. Uh, so, yeah, those are some of the factors I use to decide which films to move on or not. Right. Has there been a film where you just decided to take a risk with it? Yeah. Uh, I did this with uh, the Safdie Brothers' Good Time. Mm. I, I read the script for it and I was really much in love with uh, their last film, Heaven Knows What, which I 
uh, I, I used to work at the substation and I was a film programmer there and I, and I started this thing called Secret Screenings where it was a program where I didn't tell anybody what a film was and then, you know, we would just show up and they watch a film. So I programmed Heaven Knows What for that, um, for, for that program and then when I left substation, Anticipate Pictures. So Saudi Brothers, I sort of knew from that film and I loved uh, their, 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 their vision. I knew there was going to be, there was, there was something special there in, in their voice and, I, and then when uh, Good Time with Robert Pattinson, I mean the name Robert Pattinson and then I know what Saudi Brothers was going to be about and I read the script. I was oh my god this is amazing uh, and so just on the based on the script I, I bought um, bought the film um, without having seen a frame wow yeah and then when the premiere at Cannes uh, you know I saw it and I was like okay this is exactly what I thought it was going to be yes and then I and then and then we, we, we yeah we, we did the film uh, wow. so yeah so that was a film I, I took a chance on um, yeah and I you know a couple uh, very I, I try not to pre-buy. Pre-buy meaning you don't see the film before you, you, you make an offer. Um, but that was one film I did it for, yeah. Was the reception as good as you hoped it would be? Uh, well, this was the days where, uh, before Projector came in to, 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 to play my film. So I was forewalling it uh, at a good time, I mean, in uh, the arts house. And, um, you know, so it, it didn't make back the money. I lost quite a bit on that. Um, but I was, I'm still proud that we did it, mm. yeah. Were there films that you brought in that were surprising for you in terms of the reception? Whether it went exceptionally good or just really, really bad? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure, let's go both ways. Yeah. Uh, exceptionally good. Um, for Summer, mm. which is a recent documentary we did about uh, uh, the Syrian uh, refugee crisis, I mean, uh, through the eyes of a mother. Mm. Um, yeah, so that film, uh, I thought, okay, you know, I, I had that same visceral emotional reaction I had after Capernaum, and I saw for some hours, oh my God, this, this film is making me cry. I mean, um, so, so I made like a really low offer in that. Um, and of course, the sales agent never gets an offer from Singapore. Mm. Uh, so she said, okay, take a film, great. Um, and so, and I brought it here, and then it sort of like went like gangbusters. Um, I think people, um, the thing about art house cinema, and this is why major major cinema chains don't do my films, is because uh, s- the cinema that I bring in is really hard to sell on the first weekend. Yeah, um, you know, it, it takes a, a long life. It, it needs a long legs. You know, I always, whenever I even get ch- a small chance to even play at uh, a big a big cinema chain, I, t- I always tell them like, just you know, I know I know it's opening weekend, but don't flood, you know, the 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 week with every single night screenings of this mm. of, of my film. I'm probably the only distributor that tells their cinemas that most distributors, like the big ones, UIP, Disney, like, oh, you have to play my film like four times a day mm. for the first week or not. Uh, or not, I'm not going to show my films at your place. Um, but not only do I, don't I not have the clout to, 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 do that, to do that to the cinemas, but also I also know my films do uh, better if they're just, you know, given two or three or maybe just one uh, time a week. Um, so with Four Summer, um, that was the sort of the approach we did. With the projector, I mean, we knew it was something special. The, the, the programmers of the projector also knew there was, was something special. But we didn't overplay the film. Uh, I think it was on like four four sessions or five sessions that week. Uh, and then it just sort of petered out. But it played for about eight months after that. It's still playing now, yeah. actually. It's still playing in some obscure 4.30 p.m. time slot. Yeah. But, but at least it's still playing. <laughs> so that's great. Um, so yeah, that was a film that did uh, exceptionally well uh, for us uh, beyond what I thought uh, it would. Mm. Um, films that did really badly. <laughs> Uh, I mean it's kind of unfair to sort of talk about the films my first two years because I mean they were great films but just because they were not played at the at the the known cinema I mean I was playing them in some small cinema at the arts house that nobody knew about Um, so it's kind of yeah maybe that's why you know I lost a lot of money on on, on Patterson or Tony Erdman Um, I think I think uh, there was an LGBT 
Q film called Girl. It's a transgender film about uh, mm. uh, 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 yeah, a, a, a boy, a girl wanting to be a belly dancer, but she was born in the body of a boy. Yeah. Um, I thought that film would have uh, greater legs, um, and we we played that at the, at the end of just just after um, Christmas, and then uh, going into the new year, um, and. I think it w- it did really well in the first uh, uh, two weeks, and then it just fell off a cliff. Mm. I think the attendance just like poof, just fell off a cliff, and then we never. I I I think I barely made back my money on that film. Uh, but I really thought that film would have legs because it's really graceful. It's a it's a story. Yeah. Uh, I thought the LGBTQ audience would, would would go for this. I guess they all came out in the first couple of weeks, and then <laughs> nobody <laughs> came out for that after that. Um, but yeah, that was a film that I thought um, it didn't do exceptionally badly. It's just I was surprised by. Um, how little uh, uh, business it made. Mm. Yeah, I love that film though. Oh, I'm glad you was, saw that. <laughs> I did. I, I was very glad I saw that too. Yeah. I watched the projector actually. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was nice. Yeah. So, I wonder because because I wonder if both the results for both films can be attributed to the timeliness of them. Because yeah. I think for summer came out at the time where you know the refugee. Mm. Um, issues were a lot uh, very very much spoken about mm. and I think for summer maybe that was the time when you know LGBTQ rights weren't as as uh, popular um, mm. in, in mass media for example so do you think that actually plays a part in when you choose to release the films yeah I think I think it does um, yeah I mean uh, we also had another film called City of Ghosts mm. uh, also about uh, journalism citizenry journalism and I think that's all I mean Oh, whenever we talk about citizenry journalism, it's going to be a big hit in Singapore because that's like, yeah. you know, that's one of the things we always uh, think about yeah. as uh, as woke Singaporeans. Um, so uh, uh, that 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 came out, uh, you know, during a time when, uh, yeah, people were really questioning media, and 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 so that did really well then. And of course, I think timeliness is everything to do with it. Um, we have a film now that I don't think we can ever release, which is kind of a pity because. Um, it's it's still a it's still a film that uh, asks a lot of questions. So it's a, it's a film called Young Ahmed, mm. uh, which is a Daden brothers uh, film, um, and it's about a young boy who's uh, self who has been radicalized by his imam, um, and and uh, uh, goes on to do a very uh, shocking deed. Um, right. And it is set in Belgium, so it's a European country, and then you know. Uh, I think Europe uh, has this share of uh, you know um, jihadists, and this is a, a instance of a rare instance of a, of a feature film that uh, uh, shows I think uh, this, this 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 issue. And I thought I did it quite well, um, but now I realize it was a very bad <laughs> acquisition. Uh, it's 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 never going to be a good time to talk about <laughs> uh, uh, the, the state of uh, terrorism uh, yeah. and self radicalization, uh, you know, in 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 the West. So uh, yeah, I think that we 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 ran into a lot of issues with uh, the classifiers here in Singapore as well with that film. I mean, it actually passed censorship. It did. It did oh. after a very long, I think, six months process. Um, it, it finally went through uncut, wow. and then nobody, nobody in Singapore wanted to play the film. Okay, so I, now can, I can see why. You can see why, right? Yeah. yeah, but you know, like I'm not that. So so I didn't see that when I bought it, and uh, and so yeah, I think that's sort of dead in the in the water now. Um, but yeah, so so that's a film that I kind of regret uh, picking up. But you know, you know, mm. so you learn your lessons. Right, you could do like private screenings. You can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, was, it, was still, it means we've seen how I how I 
try and salvage that. Yeah, I don't know. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> As everybody says, so when you hear my uh, what what I do for a living, ah, oh, good luck with that. <laughs> Unfortunately, so you know, because we're we're currently in this stage where there's a lot of talks about how do we be fair and representative of the different communities, right? Yeah. How do you give space to all of these different voices? And I think it's one one thing that you mentioned as well. You wanted to give voice to this kind of alternative films yeah. and alternative topics. So, how do you then decide like what's the mix of films or what's the mix of topics you kind of cover in your selections? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I think I I, I, I I've always come from a place of I know I'm in I'm the most privileged uh, class. Of, of Singaporeans, you know, I mentioned mm. sometime earlier that I'm, I'm Singaporean Chinese. I, 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 I make that assertion because I know that I'm privileged. I've given all the opportunities. I'm not subject for to, 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 to being racially discriminated in this country. Mm. And I'm always hyper aware of that. In fact, even more, um, uh, especially since I've been away uh, from in, in, in another country and I have been uh, discriminated against so I, I sort of get a taste of how and I, that was only like five years of my life mm. I can't imagine people in Singapore yeah. facing it for their whole lives so when I go to a film festival and I see a, a, a film made by a minority filmmaker or from a diaspora that is not representative of African cinema for example I wish I could do more African cinema mm. um, if, if, if uh, you know I'm just waiting for the chance of of, of uh, of a uh, African voice that I can I can sort of bring it in to and champion here. Um, so yeah, and, and of course LGBTQ issues, uh, uh, w- women's uh, issues. Um, so yeah, th- these are all topics that if if I think that a uh, film uh, gives voice uh, it, it, to to that uh, to, to to something that I I am not uh, uh, you know um, a privy to and people should hear about mm. uh then yeah that 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 film would rise up more to uh to 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 the to the fall of wanting to yes i need to bring this film in absolutely yeah right and i think i think a part, a big part of i guess what you believe in is that by exposing people to all these alternative films you are educating them on different topics you are sort of encouraging conversations about these things yeah. um I think the flip side of that is I think maybe some people might see film watching as a very passive thing, as a very quite a silo thing. Yeah. How do you then bridge that experience, you know, through film making and film watching or film screenings? Yeah, I mean the the yeah. pitch I always make is that uh, you know you like to travel, and a lot of people like to travel maybe before COVID. Um, so this is armchair traveling. You know? mm. If you watch a film from a, a place like uh, France or Germany or uh, not, none of these, you know, that doesn't have to even have to be these sexy Western countries. You travel to uh, Turkey, you know, from watching a Turkish film. Uh, it's really a rare instance of being able to travel and understand the culture, uh, even, a, even a concept that, that that's very prevalent in the in the society there that mm. it's not so familiar to us here in Singapore. Um, so yeah, I think uh, that that is really my pitch: is armchair traveling. Uh, if you you know, give a chance to a film that it's in a foreign language or a feature documentary from a place that you probably never visit. Um, if you want to understand why Syrians uh, refuse to leave their country, even though there is strife around them, or why s- many of them do because there is so much strife around them, then you know you you should see uh, uh, some of these films. Or uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I mean a lot of people uh, uh, like to escape with, um, with 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 their entertainment uh, choices, mm. but I I argue that um, at least through 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 the films that we represent, um, entertainment can be can be enlightening, can be interventions in your own life uh, to to bring light to certain issues. Uh, yeah, so so you know, if if you give it a chance, uh, you might be surprised where where that journey takes you. 
That's nice. I'm chair traveling. I'm going to remember this term. Okay. <laughs> like, um, so I guess when you first started, um, a lot of the Singaporean films or the films that were screening around us were your typical Singaporean film or typical shows that we, you, we grew up watching, right? Sure. Have you seen a shift in preference in that? Because I went to IMDb, yeah. IMDA, sorry, IMDb, IMDA, yeah. and I realized a land imagine still has very, very little um, viewership as yeah. compared to like Revenge of the Pontiana, Make yeah. It Big, Big Killer, Not Stupid, right? So it's yeah. like 26,000 versus like 500,000. Yeah. Like, but would you say that's actually a, a radio progress from, from yeah, where I we mean, started? Everything's <laughs> relative. It's better now than it was in 2010. Mm. In 2010, it was better then than it was in 2000. Uh, it's everything <laughs> relative. Um, I think the biggest uh, issue is that um, the audience is still polemic. Mm. Uh, it's you're either very mainstream, uh, and that's fine because uh, I just recently rewatched uh, I I Not Stupid, the first one, and it's it's a really like cutting social critique. That's your favorite local film, right? I read somewhere. Oh no, Money No Enough. Oh, Money no is enough. my favorite local film. Okay. I said that once in, a, in an interview. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I just recently rewatched uh, I Not Stupid, and it mm. was really cutting, uh, you know, uh, criticism uh, in, in a very, very entertaining fashion. And and so it, you know, mainstream films can be incisive, uh, but also entertaining, um, and, and 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 you know, traditional storytelling. Um, but on the other hand, you've got people, uh, I guess I used to be in that camp as well, where we would just go for the most obscure, you know, uh, hard to access, just because, yeah, we feel like, yeah, we are so uh, the, the cultural elite. Uh, we are so intellectually involved in oh, this no. long take. Um, yes, I'm watching Chai Ming Liang. I totally get why this camera is not moving. I'm watching this guy's face for like seven minutes. Um, yeah, so there's also that, that, mm. that audience. And that's great. I mean, those are the most adventurous. These are people who go to Sifa. These are people who, who go to uh, 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 you know all the the underground uh, uh, film screenings that happen um, at people's houses, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. So, but there's nobody in the middle. I feel uh, mm. I think that's the issue. So when Chris Yeo uh, released um, a land imagine, <laughs> uh, that that definitely played very well to the latter group, mm. the one the cinephiles who really gloamed onto this kind of aesthetic. Yeah. But it sort of left uh, the mainstream audience a bit cold. Mm. And I I I I, th- I think I am. IMDA has to do something about this. Uh, uh, I mean, that's it's one thing to just throw money at filmmakers, but it's another to develop your audiences. Education, education, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's they've really dropped the ball on that. I feel on on educating audiences because if your audience is not uh, open or receptive to watching films like that, even if the, even if they're from a local filmmaker, people are not going to watch a film just because it's a local filmmaker. Yeah, people are going to watch a film whether or not based on the synopsis, it sounds interesting. Yeah. So you know there, there's there, there needs to be more to be done uh, for 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 developing the local community to 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 extend their their appreciation for for films beyond just you know the MM two made mm. stuff. So what do you think can be done, or what? How do you think one can keep up with the diversity of films out there? You know, for someone who's not in your world or, or whatever, someone doesn't even know what Sifa is. For yeah. example. <laughs> I think it's really tough. Um, I, I would okay. I, I would just uh, say that the demographic for my films over the years, I realized, is uh, 18, 18 to thirty five, sixty percent female, forty percent male, right. um, and usually uh, uh, some form of tertiary education. You know, uh, and then you know, so they, these are the group of people that really go to 
uh, and seek out uh, alternative experiences, not just in movies, but other things as well, music, uh, substances, and so on. Um, but then we sort of lose them at like the 30s. I think that's when, I think I'm, I'm 32 this year, and I, I, I sort of see that, that sea change happen. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's when, you know, uh, your 20s were great for like all that experimenting stuff, and then now you're in 30s, and you just want to do your 9 to 5 job, and uh, have enough money in the CPF for your BTO, and and then I maybe have two hours at night. Um, and this is before your baby comes in. Mm. You know, it, before that, you have you have maybe two hours uh, to 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 yourself to, uh, and you maybe just want to watch uh, the office or right. something, right? So, <laughs> right. so that's when we start losing these these audiences. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, I in 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 other societies, in Western societies, it's not it's not just in Singapore that that this happens. Um, after the age of 30 to about the uh, age of 50 or so, um, we lo- people don't go to the cinemas to watch our kind of films anymore. Mm. If, if anything, they just go watch a Disney film because they're kids. They want to bring, be able to bring their kids to do, to do that, uh, that, 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 to see that film. Uh, they won't bring them to go see uh, Kapanam or something, which is kind of sad, but that's what happens. Uh, but then after 50-something, when they've sent their kids off to college and they just have, they have more free time and... and and more disposable income, ideally, by this time, then they start to go back to, mm. the, to the cinema to try and watch uh, something a bit, uh, something that used to, oh yeah, I'm back when I was in my 30s, I was watching Godard, and and, and now, now I want to go try that again. Let's mm. see what he's making now. Um, but we don't really have that in Singapore, because I think our older generation, uh, in, in when they grew up in the baby boomer generation, that are now in their 60s, when they grew up in the, 70, in the 70s, uh, 1970s and and you know they they didn't have access to this kind of cultural uh, assets and and they're not going back to the cinema so we are missing that mm. that 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 the group of people that make up the core house audience in many uh, developed western societies in the world uh, in Singapore we are just planting the seeds now for people in our 20s and 30s but we're going to lose them once the BTO thing starts coming in and we will want to have babies and procreate and so on uh, and we start experimenting. And then, you know, we, but we want to, I, I hope that the people that are graduating into their 30s will come back when, in, when they are in their 50s and mm. 60s uh, and, and patronize uh, not just our house films, but also other forms of, of, of art. Uh, yeah, but, but can we, can I, can anticipate pictures last that long, 20, 25 years until I see that, 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 that return of my, my 30s uh, generation uh, back? I, I don't know. That's, that, that, that remains to be seen. You might need successes. To, uh, to get to that point, you might need to plan your successes. Yeah, yeah, journey. we can space them out so that <laughs> yeah. I don't bankrupt, uh, go bankrupt by then. Uh, but you know, it's it's you know, I'm I'm not indispensable, and, mm. and I'm very uh, I'm bullish about my uh, my my prospects in this industry, but I'm not unrealistic too. Um, there may be a point that uh, anticipated pictures will not survive, and then we'll go bust because I made one or two or three or four bad investments in films, and then you know I've lost all my money. Um, no, <laughs> but, but you know what? Yeah. Uh, at least for me, like if anticipate is gone, mm. uh, I hope that there are enough seeds being planted already um, of good films, and people have seen my stupid orange logo at the front of every film. Like, What's this freaking it's so bright? It's orange, and it's like I think of it as a palette cleanser. Oh, it's just yeah, okay. We're just gonna <laughs> wipe out your synapses uh, with with just the orange, and then you can go into the movie. Uh, yeah, you might not see that orange logo anymore, but uh, you know somewhere out there, just know that Vincent Quack is uh, trying to bring in good cinema somehow. <laughs> I'm grateful for that. <laughs> okay. 
I think you mentioned that in France, yeah. schools actually give students a list of films to watch. Yeah. And it, I guess it crosses borders, right? It's not yeah. just like French films, which I thought was super interesting and yeah. a great way of actually introducing alternative films to people. Yeah. I wish we can do that in Singapore, but I, uh, actually, why know, not? Why not? Uh, yeah. Because MOE is uh, very pedantic. <laughs> you know, mm. I, I used to say that what, if we have AEP mm. and MEP, uh, I mean, art elective program mm. and music elective program, why the hell do we not have film, MEP, yeah, film exactly. elective program? And, and I would argue that this is the most important art form uh, to understand. Uh, because if you understand film grammar, you understand how uh, the visuals manipul- can manipulate you. Um, you know, sound and everything. sound editing. Um, this is why uh, uh, the older generation is getting uh, bamboozled by fake news all the time because you just have a really good edited uh, short video of less than two minutes, yep. and it's some really uh, blasphemous thing, and then it just grabs their attention, and they they don't have the education to sort of process that. Okay, I'm being manipulated here because they're showing me these images in such a fast paced thing. So, so, so we're already seeing the effects of not being inculcating. Uh, a society with the right tools to understand and dissect media, mm. and 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 that's something that uh, we should look at uh, for our young children who are growing up in the iPad generation. Yeah, yeah. like all those fake YouTube videos is yeah, actually quite fakes. damaging. Yeah. yeah, yeah, scary. So actually, speaking of pedantic ministries, right? Sure. Let's talk about censorship. Okay. <laughs> okay. How has that influenced you? Because I think it's a very big part of your your job, right? Yeah, bring bringing films. Has there been films that you want to bring in but felt censorship? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, so so uh, a notable example, which is something uh, we we tried to do a film called Hail Satan. Mm. Um, it's about. Uh, I'm pretty sure they saw the name and they're like, "No thanks." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, my my investors also asked, "Why, why, why are you <laughs> trying this film? What?" Oh, uh, but if you if you see the documentary, and it's a really good documentary about the um, uh, the Satanic Church. Uh, it's it's actually a, a, a dissection of um, freedom of speech and uh, organized religion, which mm. is something that uh, people still get sensitive if you try and uh, criticize organized religion, um, especially in Singapore. Um, so yeah, I, I I thought that was a really good it's a, re- a good film that uh that 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 brings out these uh, uh, arguments in a very thoughtful and and, and balanced way. Um, and the film doesn't feature any um, uh, anything that, that that might I mean full frontal nudity not really uh, uh, incitement of violence against other religions not really um, I mean most of them a lot of them are pacifists in the film so um, I just tried and uh, yeah it, it was given a the, the board of film classifiers uh, gave it a very uh, a uh, very conditional agreement that uh, I could show the film, but only two times as part of a bigger festival, and the film cannot be part of the publicity of that festival. Ooh. So it's something like really specific to that, okay. and I was like, "That's not gonna, it's not gonna fly." Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, <laughs> how many film festivals do I have to make up in order to <laughs> release this film? So I had to go back to the sales agent, unfortunately, and say, like, "I'm sorry, I really can't do the film. Can I have a refund?" And we not the contract, so that was it was okay. Um, but there were, of course, uh, other films um, uh, in the past. For example, I tried to do a film called Anti-Porno uh, by a Japanese provocative filmmaker called Sion Sono. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, Anti-Porno was part of the pink film series that Nikatsu tried to uh, uh, bring back. Uh, basically, it's a really short film, but the rule was that you have to have like a sex scene every uh, five minutes. 
Um, and and Andy Porno was an entry in this uh, series that um, the director actively tried to criticize the porn industry of Japan uh, by empowering the women in uh, the film to 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 towards uh, uh, certain ideals, um, but still conforming to the uh, the rules of the genre of the genre. So I thought it was very progressive, and it was a very uh, a film that that should I should try to bring in because nobody else would try to bring this film probably, um, and so I told the sales agent like, look, I'm going to try to bring this film to pass uh, I, my my classifiers, um, but I'm ninety percent sure it's not going to pass our classifiers, uh, because there was a scene where a woman uses a strap on on another woman, and I think that falls under deviant uh, yeah. sexual behavior. So. Um, and I, I was right. I mean, the, that, that didn't fly at all. So mm. we, we tried with films like that. Um, yeah, and, and Hill Satan was one of those things. Um, yeah. Right. I was actually surprised Climax made it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> when I first saw it, uh, saw it was filming, eh, screening at Shaw. Yeah. As part of the film festival. I was like, what the hell? Climax is showing. It's like, eh, how did this actually pass through censorship? Because yeah. the topic itself is on like acid trips, right? And, yes. and all that. So. How 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 was that done? The, the thing about the BFC you have to understand is that uh, there's still a relic of the uh, age of uh, <laughs> oh if you you can show as many bad things as possible but if everybody all the bad people get their come up until the end it's oh, fine because you show that it's bad for you yeah so <laughs> so you can show all the, you know like everybody oh tripping out and like having a really bad trip and then yeah. doing things to each other which are very horrible mm. and the end like the police come in which they do in climax yeah um it's it's sort of Okay, I see. Uh, so we, we we got that unscathed. I mean, of course, it was R twenty one as we expected. Um, but yeah, that 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 yeah, that was a film that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I see. I should have guessed. Yeah, I was really surprised. I was like, wow, I never expected because I first read about Climax uh, mm. when it first released, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I really want to watch this because it just looks like visually so stimulating, right? Yeah. In the back of my head, I, I I was just thinking it will never make it in Singapore, so I must like <laughs> thorn it off somewhere. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Good job. Uh, now I now you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes I also think like, oh my god, if I don't try this film, mm. nobody nobody else in Singapore is going to try this film. Yeah. Um, and I I thought Gaspar No has a small audience uh, here, so maybe try that, and then we got it passed. So that's good. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. It's quite an exciting film, actually. Yeah, and it's going to come back soon. Oh. In some way. I can't say now, but okay. it will come back soon. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to it. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's talk about COVID, of sure. course. Yeah. So how has COVID infected you? Because I think you guys tried a lot of different things like virtual home parties, yeah. um, video on demand, etc. Like how has that how has that worked out or has it been an uphill struggle for you guys? Uh, uphill struggle, mm. definitely. Um, we tried the watch party thing. I think we were one of the first people to do watch parties. Um, so uh, Bu Jin Feng, the filmmaker of Sandcastle and Apprentice, he, uh, you know, he got wind of the fact that uh, cinemas were closing in the end of March, and in the space of maybe three days, he decided he's gonna try and help uh, anticipate by doing a watch party for Tony Erdman, which was mm. our very first film we ever released. Um, so uh, with the success of that. Um, first, I mean, success, I mean, it was like 20 people consistently on the line, but with the success of that sort of watch party, um, uh, Amanda Lee Cole, a writer, uh, mm. she uh, wanted to do the same, uh, but for another film of ours called uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, mm. yeah, which by that time, it was uh, it was kind of a, a bona fide hit for us, um, but we had we were forced also to put it on, uh, on, on video on demand pretty soon uh, because of the closure of cinemas, so we couldn't quite exploit that as long as we wanted to in cinemas. Uh, but Amanda came in and she did uh, very gracious um, to do a, 
a watch party for a portrait leading fire and she called um, she tapped into her own network of contacts yeah. um, and and I think we had like maybe 130 people consistently tune in to the, to the IGTV mm. um, and IG Live I mean uh, and so yeah I'm forever grateful for Amanda and Jin Feng for uh, wanting to do that out of their own hearts uh, we didn't pay them to you know do any pro- to, 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 to do that at all but uh, yeah we really really appreciated that um, but the thing with watch parties is uh, so once we did that and then a, lot of, a lot of organizations started doing watch parties as well um, I realized that uh, by and large uh, you have to have a really good reason why you're doing a watch party so that either means you have a really strong speaker or, mm. uh, or host or you have a really good guest someone that people want to hear about uh, hear from I mean um, otherwise, it's just going to be just you and your friends. Um, so I think we just didn't quite uh, do anything after the Portrait of Lady and Fire. I think I, I sort of, um, I was quite brutal. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm glad that Portrait did so well. I mean, the watch party for Portrait did very well. But if it's not for the fact that Amanda, uh, who being Amanda uh, and finding the, 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 the guests that she found, um, I mean, she had a very uh, famous, fairly famous uh, uh, New York City-based filmmaker, you know, uh, coming for the chat. Uh, we wouldn't have that kind of numbers. Um, mm. So we we won't. We, I told. Uh, I mean, there were various opportunities to do other watch parties for other films that we had, but I sort of turned them down. I said, you know, we need to find people good enough to to justify a watch party. Mm. Um, yeah, I think COVID has really um, accelerated the, the change. Um, if if uh, the movie industry is. <laughs> If if the movie industry is uh, some people some people would say it's a zombie industry now because all the good writing is is on TV and it's true all the good mm-hmm. writing is in TV um, because uh, Hollywood let them go um, you know so uh, yeah and 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 this is this COVID has just accelerated that change um, we've seen uh, since theaters were allowed to open in Singapore in the middle of July uh, so Peninsula Train to Busan came out. And then it did what it did, but you know, f- it, it wasn't as good as the, as the first Train to Busan. I'll yeah. be first one to say, um, and it was kind of just a like a mind like like uh, like mindless uh, roller coaster ride, zombie with, show. So, yeah, it's like yeah. A, it's a zombie was not even like a good zombie show. You know, it's not it's not like Romero stuff. I mean, not even putting it in that, in that. But it's just a, it was just like a, a kid running, uh, driving a car in the movie mm. most of the time, right? So that. That film didn't quite have a uh, lot of substance, other than the fact that it brought some big screen spectacle. Mm. Um, so that that didn't you know blow CJ's mind, I'm sure. Uh, and then of course Warner Brothers were eventually forced to release Tenet, um, and they tried that. But I mean, now we can sort of look back and say that Tenet wasn't as uh, good a film as people wanted it to be. Controversial. Controversial. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there are detractors and, yeah. and people arguing uh, against that, but. Um, yeah, it, it shows because I think Warner hasn't broken uh, even on that mm. film, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, the global box office is well, something like 200-something million at this point, yeah. and they're still yet to open in maybe 50 more markets. But, uh, you know, if you think about the production cost of that film, it's something like 180 million, and then the the cost to market it is probably a double of that. They definitely haven't made, made mm. back their money, and I think it's also because the movie just didn't make sense to a lot of people yeah. who saw it without subtitles. <laughs> yeah, so, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, right, and 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 of course Mulan. Yeah, uh, it was the next big screen experiment, uh, mm. which is also sort of a dual thing because the rest of the world had it on Pivot uh, on the Disney Plus platform, which we don't have here in Singapore yet. So Mulan went to uh, uh, cinemas here in Singapore, but uh, as soon as the film hit platforms worldwide, everybody said it sucked. Yeah, 
There was actually more hate to it than yeah. yeah. There was more hate to that film than anything good. So you've yeah. got so okay. I'm drawing these three examples because these are the biggest three films that have opened since uh, the lockdown sort of lifted mm. and, and in cinemas and and. and, and I'll be the first one to admit that the film industry is very, very privileged. We are we are allowed to open our cinema halls mm. before ballet, before opera, before yeah. plays, before music, uh, uh, public you know performances of uh, uh, concerts. You know, cinemas are allowed to reopen, and we have three opportunities to try and bring people back to the cinemas. But because of the films, I guess that 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 will play, um, it's still seen as we are struggling. Movie industry struggling. Mm. Yeah, right. so that's that's not the kind of uh, 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 story we want to tell uh, people, um, but that we have to be really upfront with the fact that it, it, it is like that. We, we just had three not very good films mm. that came out, and this is how much it made. If it's but we are going to squander the, the the goodwill that people have in cinema in the cinema experience if you re- keep releasing bad films like this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's going to go to the cinema. Obviously, everybody wants to just stay at home and torrent <laughs> and like do a black, you know, buy a black box from the uh, 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 Lazada. Yeah, you know, like so. This is why people we are losing people to the cinema because we're playing bad films. Shitty, you're making shitty films, and then uh, yeah, the argument is that <laughs> these films were made before COVID, right? And then we were sort of writing off the fact that you know uh, people will still turn up at the cinemas uh, even if it's a bad film, as long as it's enough uh, explosions in this. 180 million dollars worth of explosions. People will still come and see the film, but this is now after COVID. People are really choosing the the, the time they want to be in yeah. public and want to be in a shared space and exactly. enclosed space with other people. And if if these are three are the reasons why we should go back to the cinema, then I don't think a lot of people are gonna be convinced. <laughs> yeah, I'm like buy them out. <laughs> yeah, like I tried three films like Mulan sucked, Tenet sucked, <laughs> and uh, what was even Train to Busan. So I'm not gonna go back to the cinema, anymore. and that's when we start losing people. But thankfully, you know, I I think at least with the the numbers I'm seeing from Projector, because we release. Uh, three films at the projector mm. uh, after COVID, um, Family Romance, uh, LLC, uh, The Kingmaker, um, and I think uh, I, we will be releasing another film soon called Saint Francis. Um, so, so the numbers for the first two films at least uh, have been promising, even mm. though they have been capped at like fifty. Um, so, so I, I think if there's good films, people will still come out and see it. But we can't keep releasing bad films; otherwise, we will spurn people from going back to the to the movies. In, in theaters, yeah, no more tenants. Yeah, no more. Unpopular tenants, opinion, but no more. In, in, this, in this house, or is it? <laughs> They've both watched it twice. Okay, I don't think they love it, but okay, just like, <laughs> we just yeah, never mind. Okay. <laughs> so, do you think video on demand is going to affect cinema going? Yeah, this is just so convenient. You can just like I'm Definitely. still kind of still supporting projector and anticipate. Sure, I don't have to go anymore. So, like, do you really think that's going to be a long term impact? This, is, this, yeah, definitely. Okay, I'll tell you, uh, and I've been sort of. Prophesizing that um, the number of cinema screens, uh, which is currently about I think two hundred and ninety something, it's gonna go down. Mm. Um, I think particularly the circuit that the the chain that will be hit most is Golden Village, Ooh. because they are paying rent <sighs> on every single one of those the big malls. Malls, yeah. Um, they can, they probably are uh, applying for all the grants and and and. Uh, IOUs and stuff they can get from these uh, mall owners but they are going to have to face some really tough uh, uh, decisions uh, and we're going to see the number of cinema screens go down right. um, yeah I, Shaw owns most of the of the malls that they are, that, that the cinema sit in so they'll be good for a while um, but yeah the, the sea change is that cinema screens are going to go down um, I predict unfortunately that uh, the movie going experience like going to the cinema going to the movies uh, will be will go the way of the vinyl, mm. yeah. 
because you know as we know music has been already talked about like the death of like uh, with Apple Music and Spotify nobody's going to want to buy CDs mm. or vinyls anymore but now no there are still a core passionate group of people yeah. who still buy physical media um, for the movie and then in the music industry and I think that's going to be the case for the movie industry um, there's still going to be a core group of cinephiles um, I'd hopefully larger than we think uh, is going to the projector but there will be a core group um, of people that still want to go to support uh, and companies like mine and and places like the projector of course um, but uh, yeah the, the, the major uh, chains are going to have a lot of reckoning mm. when their numbers don't return even after uh, phase 3 I guess it's also kind of back to your point on education on the different facets of film, right? Like you have to understand that going to a cinema is different from just watching it on your screen because there's so much to it, like lighting, sound and all of that. So yeah, yeah which is I guess the same as vinyl because that's like better quality for some pressings and et cetera. So sure. hopefully, I don't know, hopefully people understand that in the long run and, and go support their local cinemas. Anyway. Yeah, it's not, uh, I mean, it's not as easy. I mean, what, what what do Golden Village and Shaw and, and Cathay have in common? Do you really care which one you go to? Not no, really, right? Not really. Uh, yeah, exactly. Timings. <laughs> exactly. It's just, oh, one's, one's blue color, one's mostly red color, you know, yeah. but it's not, you don't really care. It's just a, a, a generic screen playing a generic movie. Uh, those places are going to die. Like a very slow death, mm. but they are, they'll they'll slow to slowly start to fizzle out. Um, but places like Projector hopefully will proliferate, and hopefully another few more plays will come out like the Projector mm. that offer that kind of like really concentrated experience that people when you go out will, will be guaranteed a good time uh, at the cinema. I think those places would would would, would uh, survive okay. have the best chance of surviving. Right. So if you're listening to this, those big cinemas are gonna die anyway. So divert your <laughs> money to Projector. <laughs> help the ones in here. <laughs> help the ones you can help see. the ones that uh, yeah would, uh, would the one and help. only <laughs> okay don't quote me anybody <laughs> so I'm very personally very interested about those questions what's on your film watch list because you watch so much films so oh. many films every day like what's on your list that you haven't gotten to but you're like dying to get that I haven't watched yet huh or yeah. the films that I've watched already but and it's yet to come out uh, you can start with that first and then you can go to the that you haven't watched it Oh, that I haven't watched yet, yeah. but I'm dying to see. Or is that oh. like impossible question because you've watched everything? No, 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 of course not. <laughs> uh, at film markets, uh, you are o- you're also given teasers of films that have yet to be finished, mm. but um, you know, you, you would like to, uh, that, that will be available soon. Um, I think a film that I'm personally very, very curious about is uh, a Leo Carra film called Annette. Annette? Yeah, Leo Carra is a filmmaker who last made Holy Motors, that uh, came out in, in, in Cannes and I was blown away by the film and uh, Annette is a musical that stars Adam Driver mm, um, among, uh, among other people and uh, Marion Cotillard as well uh, and it's supposed to, it was supposed to come out in uh, Cannes this year but uh, you know of course with COVID it didn't happen mm. um, so we believe that it's going to come out in Cannes next year so Leo Carras Annette is something I'm dying to watch um, there's a new Apichapong film uh, called uh, Memoria that was uh, already bought up by a a very very good uh, US distributor called Neon. Um, so uh, M- Memoria is you know if you follow Api Chapong, who is a, a Thai director, um, he makes he makes these uh, very languid, very uh, stream of consciousness uh, Thai uh, uh, films, and uh, yeah. So so this is his next film. He's shooting it in South America. Or he was shooting it in South America. I think he's finished it. Um, so that was also supposed to come out in Cannes, uh, but you know we 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 haven't uh, seen it yet. So that that should come out next year's Cannes. Um, films that I've already seen that I think 
you, people sh- I, I come, I'm, I'm excited to for people to discover it. Mm. Um, I mean, the trailer dropped yesterday, uh, but uh, uh, Lee Isaac Chung's uh, Minari, mm. uh, that, I mean, I had the privilege to see that um, at a film, at a, at a private screening at Berlin this year, which was the last market I attended. And Minari, I, I, it's, it's, it's a really special uh, film. And I just saw the trailer yesterday and uh, it dropped, uh, A24 is releasing that film in the US. Um, so uh, that's something to keep on everybody's radar. If you, if you, uh, it's, it's going to come, I think, in 2021. But uh, yeah, you should definitely see that film as fast as you can. Um, yeah. Wow, exciting. They yeah. all sound very, very exciting and very poignant in the storytelling. <laughs> so, because um, I think you mentioned something, final question, right? Um, you mentioned something about how important it is to to also expand beyond your domain, expand beyond what you do every day. Mm. So what do you consume or what do you keep up with um, outside of the film industry? Oh, TV. TV? That's kind of <laughs> similar to... <laughs> oh, 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 you mean, you mean like outside of like media? Yeah. Wow. Okay, you can see TV. If that's oh, yeah, I can see TV. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, so as part of, okay, I used to be one of those people, right? They're like, oh, movies only. I don't watch TV. Mm. Yeah. In fact, the only TV show I really watched uh, it was The Office and, you know, the US one. I, I like the UK one, but the US one I love. Um, so so that was the only one before COVID happened. When COVID happened, when Circuit Breaker stuck, struck, um, you know, I started watching a lot more TV and. Mm. There's a really good TV series uh, that I I think more people should watch. I don't know how anybody can watch this in Singapore, but it's it's called I May Destroy You. Um, it's What's a it it's a British uh, te- television show by a lady called Michaela Coel, mm. and um, she basically plays a rape survivor oh. um, who refuses to accept that she's a victim. And so she goes out to try and find her perpetrator. Wow. Yeah, and it's a really, this is really, I think, like, progressive, cutting-edge uh, storytelling. Um, yeah, I, I've been binging on a lot of HBO shows because they really produce the best mm. uh, TV they shows. Do. They really do, you know. I'm currently working through The Vow, which is uh, it's about the, the, the cult, um, the sex cult in New York, uh, in, in New York State. Mm. Um, so I'm watching that. And I, and I was just talking to your colleague, Daniel, uh, 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 Daniel? Da- Daniel outside, and uh, he was waxing lyrical about uh, Westworld. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, not oh, Westworld. Oh, you haven't seen uh, uh, Watchmen. He was yeah, waxing yeah, lyrical yeah. about Watchmen, yes. So I, I haven't seen Westworld as well. Damn it. <laughs> so, many, so many TV shows to catch up on. Um, but yeah, yeah. So so uh, Westworld, definitely. And uh, even like like The Wire. I, I really want to like catch mm. up on The Wire. And um, yeah, so... There's too many... There's too many, and, and, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you why I say the best writings in TV. Um, because you know, in in the last in the two, in, two, in the two thousands, um, the big movie studios like Disney, for example, realized that the less movies they made, the more money they will make. Hmm. In what sense? Like if they didn't do all their adult stuff, mm. like so they had Miramax at that point. Uh, and Disney had owned Miramax. Um, yeah, and and they they if they just like did. Uh, lesser and lesser films like so they made like Pirates of the Caribbean like mm. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 uh, whatever it is and, and they just uh, remade all their old old stuff um, they, they wouldn't need to invest money in uh, in writers to come up with new ideas right so in, in, in essence the R&D of our industry which is essentially writers yeah. was phased out of the movie industry so you've got all these writers uh, who have suddenly had no jobs because all the movie studios didn't want 
uh, original ideas anymore. Nobody was making original comedies, or I mean, apart from the occasional bridesmaids, you know. That, that <laughs> then you know, but but and, but the, you know, everything else. Hangover one, two, three. You know, Saw until like nine or something. Yeah. Uh, everything's a franchise. Everything is just you know. Uh, uh, what 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 has pre awareness that we can uh, quickly make without needing to invest too much money in marketing to get the same numbers? So Mulan, for example, mm. or oh, people know that know that film, uh, uh, that animated film. We just make a live action. So live action remakes of everything Disney yep. ever made. Like, that is the lazy but fastest to make money because you don't need to invest money in R and D anymore. Mm. So all the writers started to migrate to TV. So HBO started to like I, I, I try to scoop, scoop them up. Uh, 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 other streamers you know, Netflix started to scoop up writers um, uh, uh, Amazon Prime started to scoop up writers so that's why all the best writing the best original stuff is in TV now mm. even filmmakers are making like Charlie Kaufman just released a, a movie on, on, on he's one of the best writers uh, yeah. in, the, in, in, in the world and he's, he's right now writing a, f- a film that's just been released on Netflix so You've got you know the best writers there, and that's why more people, more people are staying in at home and watching TV. Um, and I don't, I don't blame them. Um, for, for for what it's worth, anticipate at least tries to find the people, the 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 films that 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 are still worth their salt in this format, mm. and we try and bring them to Singapore. That's what we. That's the best we can do. <laughs> You're hopeful in that sense. Very hopeful. <laughs> okay, to wrap up this podcast, what I ask every guest is, oh. if you were invited to a potluck dinner. What okay. will you bring? Wow, popcorn. Popcorn. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> of course, and a film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I won't bring the film. It's a potluck. Uh, I don't know. I mean, okay. I mean, I I've been asked to potlucks before. I don't bring popcorn, but <laughs> I, I think popcorn is a it's a, it's a, yeah it's 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 a it's a food that I personally enjoy very much. Um, but I have a weird relationship with it. I don't eat it during movies. Oh my god, me too. Do you eat it before? I do eat it before. Yeah. Same. Oh my god, that's Same. crazy. Same. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So I'll buy like a, a, a popcorn and I'll eat it before. But once the movie like you I mean, stop touching I just, it, right? I just put it down and I just watch it. And then after that, I just like Same. go home with that. I have a friend who doesn't eat before the movie, but she eats during the movie. So I just pass it on to her. Wow. That's so, <laughs> so symbiotic. You just, yeah. so much synergy there. Yeah, wow. You gotta find that. You gotta, but, gotta my god, you're like the first person that <laughs> I know that does that. Yeah, yeah, because I love the snack, but it's it's gonna distract you from the the movie, especially right. if it's a film you want to be be be, be 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 attentive for. Yeah, so great. Pot, uh, popcorn <laughs> is my answer. Right, that's not a bad answer. I've had worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so okay, any last things to share before we wrap this up? Uh, no, thank you for having me. Uh, it's great what you're doing. I'm happy to be a part of this podcast. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks, Vincent. I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm glad you did. Yeah. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. And everyone listening, this is also available on Spotify and Mixcloud. So thank you for s- supporting SGCR. And go support Anticipate Pictures and Projector. Okay, thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>